Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. I'm joined by only one of my co-hosts today. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. Anya is in Alaska. She's on vacation. and She's yeah. having fun gallivanting around mountains and puppies and beautiful scenery. And I am not jealous at all. Yes. You know? And if Anya were, say, 10 years younger, we would say she's searching for her identity, maybe, or maybe coming of age, perhaps. She, one could say that she's looking for Alaska. <laughs> That's also a possibility. I know. Um, so we're talking about the coming of age story, specifically the coming of age film. Um, we recently saw Booksmart. Booksmart is great. Yes. It's one of the best movies of the year, um, and it falls into that genre of a coming-of-age story, I believe. Um, it's we, we wanted to talk about coming-of-age films because we haven't, and we also really like the, the, the story. Because there's something about, you know, watching, like, a story that is basically meant for character development. And, like, we've talked on the podcast, like, character development is key when it comes to, like, a yeah. good story. It's literally in the name. It's coming of age. It's about that growth. And uh, it's so interesting to see just, like, the point of a genre right in the title of that. And um, I know coming of age is one of my favorite genres. I just, like, eat it up. If it's a high school movie, if it's a movie about a lost summer set in like a hazy dreamlike um sepia tone i'm just I'm, I'm already there so call me by your name yeah, yeah. you just described call me by your name yes <laughs> um we're gonna talk about Booksmart first on the podcast sort of like a mini review because there are a thousand movies coming out so we're sort of cheating our monthly movie movie may monthly movie movie i can't speak today um we're just going to be talking about book smart and then halfway after that we're going to be talking about the coming of age film as a broader genre discussion topic like we've done on this podcast for four years now maybe um, diving into some history own. because mm-hmm. based on our very slight research that we've done for this we're just going to talk about what we, how we love it and maybe uh pop out some fun facts about coming of age I typed in coming of age films into Wikipedia and it was like, oh, so you want every film from the last 40 years? And I'm like, oh, no. Um, yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about some 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 def- genre defining films of the 80s and then f- flash forward to um, like, you know, the, the there's a, a slew of great 2010 coming of age films because I feel like we're living in a in a society now where like teenagers are uh um put upon with a lot mm. of drama and i feel like a lot of that catharsis comes from watching these films oh that's a really great way to put it i like that mm-hmm. too because coming of age films have all have a kind of um timeless feel to them and uh despite you know book smart for example being set in modern day it has a lot of the trappings that you'd see in a 90s movie or an 80s movie and there may be a few um name drops to i don't know snapchat or tinder or uber um it still feels very much like it could be set at any time because the feelings and the things that people go through as a young uh, young adults, young teenager are all very universal. And that's what I like about coming of age. It doesn't feel trapped, though, in that time period. It feels very much like, even though it's always kind of about the same thing, it, and like it is like 
you know, often very similar. I um, always feel like it's very um, amorphous in a way. I think it's because literally everybody goes through a coming of age in, in their own lives. So you have the ability to connect with teenagers, even if you're in your late 20s, that we, as we are now. Like you have, you can go back and watch uh, The Breakfast Club and still feel those emotions you felt maybe when you watched it when you were in high school or in college or like now, late, young, like a, a, a young, an old young adult. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the um, interesting things I find about coming-of-age movies today, too, is that they rely a lot on uh, sort of old technology, like very uh, analog technology, because yeah. that's what kids are nostalgic for, because they ne- they're the kids these days, the kids these days, the youth, kids these days, they have grown up in an all-digital culture, and they have a sort of yearning for some sort of physical... Um, you know, anchors in a way. And so you see things like tape uh, cassettes and vinyls pop up so much more. In 13 Reasons Why, it's a cassette recorder that's the most prominent item. Like, something that I didn't even grow up with that much. I had, like, maybe some audio cassettes when I was a kid that had, like, audio books and everything. But um, it's so fascinating to me that these kids just, like, going further back in time with all of these dusty... Uh, items and technologies to uh, live through their their youths in a different way yeah and so so okay so so tr- transition to talking Let's about segue book into book smart book smart <laughs> you know what is... else are old as old technology books books <laughs> <laughs> the oldest technology Indeed. Um, <laughs> um so book smart is is uh, a story set in 2019 but like ht said it could be a story set in 1989 or 19 or 2009 like it's a very much a timeless story of teenagers who realize that they want to have a fun night out in college like they're what they assume to be their stereotypical dumb jock high school peers and so they want to ha- experience that because they were they are as you know the title is book smart. They yeah. are really not like they 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 are fun in their own right, but to the like stereotype of high school, they are nerds. Yeah. But they're really cool people. Like yeah. that's the flip of it all. They have closed themselves off to the traditional high school partying scene because they wanted to. They have set their goals on going to a good school, and like that's the entire thing. They're very narrow minded about that. And so on the last day of, of uh, school, right before graduation, they realize that all their peers are going to as good schools as them. And yet they experience high school to the fullest in like the, the very stereotypical way. They had party. They had fun. They, had, they did lots of sex. <laughs> did lots of sex. <laughs> they did lots of sex and drugs. <laughs> Classic teen. As you can tell, I did not do any of those things either because I was also very lame. But They did, they did some weed. <laughs> they did the marijuanas. <laughs> they smoked the ganja. <laughs> they, uh, the reefer. The re- they got into some reefer. The reefer danger. <laughs> um, but what I want to say is that Booksmart is just kind of my ideal uh, version of that high school life. It really is. It's so nice. It really. It's nice core at its most core. It is nice core. Um, because one of the things I've seen criticized about this film like the critics lobbied at it is that there's no conflict to this movie 
even though these characters are, you know, kind of presented, played by Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Devers, they're presented as like the nerds who are kind of outcasts, yet they have each other, so they're kind of like those sympathetic underdogs. It turns out that they have been mis underestimating these people all their lives and that they have kind of been you know pushing their own sort of judgments on these people and who are very smart and really nice and also just trying their best and uh despite you know some scenes of bullying and like back talking at the beginning you realize that everyone is at fault and has some sort of redemptive you know quality about them and that's what i really like for example the mean girl is um you know just uh looking for friends too and she helps uh Beanie Feldstein's character uh get home from the party afterwards it's all just incredibly sweet and genuine and authentic and I like that as you unpeel the layers of this movie you just find more nice things about it which is so refreshing for me like I um I'm tired of that mean girl mean boy mean jock stereotype and I'm happy to see that we're seeing these fuller characters all really feel like they could be friends and all feel very like um livable like living in their roles yeah it really Olivia Wilde who directed this uh did a really great job of showcasing like sort of like um so onion ogres are like onions and that they have layers and this movie is like an ogre in that there are layers to it. You know it. what this movie was it, missing? Quotes from Shrek. Right. I, it's, I think it's because they were born after Shrek came out, oh which God. is sort of what I hate about oh this movie God. is that they're so Wait, young. Wait, when did Shrek come out? Did it come out in 2001? 2001. These kids graduated in 2019, which oh means they were born in 2002. I'm going to We're old. Um, oh yeah, we're God. old. Um, so, okay, so, this movie is like an ogre, as in, in that it has, <laughs> it has layers. You start peeling back the fact, you start, you start superficially. You have the, the jocks, you have the mean girls, you have the nerds, you have the smokers. You have basically these, like, stereotypes that you would see in a traditional coming-of-age high school film where everyone is sort of in an archetype. And as the movie goes on, they do a really in- incredible... Olivia Wilde does a really incredible job with the talent of these actors of peeling back the layers of these characters and showcasing that each one is each character can can basically be the star of their own coming of age film Mm. because they all have great personalities and great chemistry with each other on on set or like, you know, on screen. And that each one seems to be living like a full life. We're yeah. just only seeing Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver's characters like fully because they're the POV characters. Um, like there's a scene where uh, Beanie Feldstein is in a gender nonconforming bathroom, which uh, I didn't realize until I was like, oh, wow. OK, that's cool because my high school didn't have that. Um, and so she's she's overhearing pe- other people talk about uh, her, unfortunately, um, and in not a negative way. And she starts to insult them because she's like, I'm going to fight back. And she starts calling them dumb and jocks. And they were like, they had this rule where they're not going to have, they're not going to tell anybody um, where they went to, where, where they got into college. Um, and they like, at this point they reveal that they're all going, getting into either a really good job, like a Google or going to Yale or Stanford or some sort of like really nice uh, college. Mm. And Beanie Feldstein sort of had, has this, uh, 
moment where like her world falls apart and like you you mentioned earlier that like they, she realizes that everyone else had a really fun time in high school or quote unquote fun time in high school partying but also getting into good schools and this is the inciting incident of that where she just sort of realizes that uh, these people are deeper than than she thought mm-hmm. and it's sort of interesting where she sort of had the her perspective of high school was sort of the a stereotypical movie perspective of a high school. Mm. And as that breaks down, the movie gets a, a lot deeper and much more uh, nuanced than you would imagine. And then Billy Lord comes in and tears it all down yeah. in such a fantastic way. There's... Um, in such a ridiculous character that probably does exist in a high school somewhere. <laughs> For sure. Um, I mean, there's still and, a layer like, of, like, unreality to this movie because, oh, first yeah. of all, how do all these kids, how does this one high school all have, like, three or four kids going to Stanford and Yale each? Like, I don't believe the it. the thing, is that these kids, are, these kids are surprisingly talented people. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the kid's fine, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking in terms of just admissions and the likelihood that you're going <laughs> to have, like, three or four kids of one school. Like, how good is this school? Is this, like, a magnet school? What is going on? Um, that's True. the only thing that I was just like, what is going on here? But other than that, it's fine. That's a layer of unreality that I'm willing to, like, suspend my disbelief for because you have that sort of more cartoonish antics that is more typical in a – uh, teen teen comedy like Billy Lord's character like the antics that all that the girls get through uh, throughout the night um, but I really I enjoyed that um, the movie for that rather than like it taking me out because it is um, while being while having like these really authentic emotions and depictions of um, these really rich characters it is still um, very firmly within that that genre of just kind of showing this really idealistic version of what high school is like because there's no way my high school was like this at all. I wish it was. I wish. I think it my was. high school, my my high school definitely had parts of this. But mm-hmm. um, if you couldn't have guessed from the tone of my voice, I'm a nerd and I did not go to parties. So I was sort of like, oh, this is probably what it was like. Yeah. Um, parties are not that cool. I, I went to like it. one party in high school and it was like it was kind of lame. <laughs> was it, it like in like a damp basement? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> it was a damp basement because like this movie takes place at a high school party where it's like a nice a, a nice, nice house, house a with pool. a nice pool yeah with no dank basement <laughs> it was a dank basement uh everyone's drunk and then there's drama in the 11th hour of the night in which ev- someone grows off goes off screaming honestly the clue of this party is a little bit more similar to the parties i went to because yeah. someone always goes off crying in the bathroom at some point yeah, or like ten things I hate about you, where there's just like you know like random shit going down in different parts of the house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Booksmart is great. I really love like, it. All the performances are great. It's super funny. Um, there's a, there were some really good, um, <laughs> there's some really good uh, DC jokes that got a good laugh in my DC theater. <laughs> funny. Um, like a lot of like po- political humor, not humor per se, but like you know, like references and one offs. Um. It's really funny. There was a headline about how Booksmart is the Biden of coming of age films when and when clearly they're the Elizabeth Warren because they're because they have an Elizabeth Warren bumper sticker like on their car. It's just really funny that that I mean, like that comparison, I can kind of see because Biden is like that un uh, non threatening sort of middling very just like amiable movie that doesn't really do much harm or good but i disagree with that assessment oh me too yeah i think this movie is is like not at all like middling like it excels Mm -hmm. so let's work backwards a little bit from uh book smart 
Um, we're going to go through, we're not going to go through the entire history because we don't know the entire history and we've, again, done no. minimal research for this episode. We're just going to talk about coming the, of age movies. The research that we've done is the years and years of watching coming of age films sporadically over the past 27 years yes. of our lives. As I will say, <laughs> it is my favorite genre. And so I have watched quite a few anime films that are coming of age. Not many of which I can actually name right now because I don't remember. I've watched so many of them and they like kind of blur with the slice you, of life genre. But um, let's you consider the girl who left through time a coming oh yeah of age film? for sure it's like yeah. peak coming of age i remember i showed it to you and you loved it because it's so coming oh, yeah. of age i love those kind of movies that are um coming of age films that sort of uh, envelop uh are enveloped in like another genre you know the girl who left through time has like that sci-fi twist and i really enjoy that but it's at heart a coming of age uh story Actually, I want to, before we go into the history, I want to talk about what would, for, what for you, Willoughby, is um, the definition of a coming-of-age film. Like, what is the heart of a coming-of-age film for Ooh. you? Oh, um, I mean, I, I, without putting it through, like, a long-winded way of saying, like, character development, um, basically, like, the the main character is not the same person that they were at the end of the film, but they are all the more better for it. Mm. Um, and I, I guess like shenanigans ensue. Like, I feel like a coming of age film has to have some sort of lightness to it. Yeah. Um, because I feel like a, I, you don't really think of coming of age films as dark, even though they may have dark elements and like dark things may happen to the characters, but, uh, like overall the experience is uplifting. I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like most of the time it's some sort of, there is drama, but, but, uh, but there is also like friendship and like, they learn they here ooh i've stumbled upon it i have come to my own uh coming of age uh, consensus here um they learn the values that which define them as a person mm, i really so like, like that so they they may be sort of aimless at the start or you know a version of themselves but through the events that they go through and this is a really like you know they go through events that's a story that's a motion picture um but they learn who they learn they learn themselves what to define themselves with, which is a uh, I don't know if that's a concise way of saying like they 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 figure out who they are and they do it and they have shenanigans. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a wonderful way of putting it. Um, for me, I mean, other than you know the various stereotypes and uh, hallmarks you see in a coming of age film, uh, being it of like a teenager, sometimes even younger, like a preteen or something. Sometimes think place in the summer, often in the summer. Um, which... Oh yeah, the summer is a transformative yeah. period in any person's exactly. life, in especially in in high school and like that area, like the spectacular now and the kings of summer and like super bad and American call graffiti, like name. call um, me by your name. There's all these films that take place either on like one night or like throughout like one period of time in their lives, and that is what. Uh, pushes them to be to to grow and develop as characters what i find interesting about summer being the definitive season of the coming of age film is that it's both transformative and also stagnant there's a you know there's a nostalgia that we attribute to uh to summer and to coming of age something that we like to like snapshot something in time of this one time in which we were you know, this, you know, we were, this is before 
and everything. Um, so I find that really interesting. I feel like coming of age is almost a dichotomy of sorts because it is of the before and the after. And it is both of nostalgia and of change. Um, and that for me, like innately coming of age is just like, is just about human identity. It's just about humanity in general. It's like that microcosm yeah. of humanity. Um being super poetic about it, I'm sure, like, for many people, it's, no, <laughs> it's not you're doing, exactly, you're like, doing great here. awesome. But, yeah, that's that's what it is for me. It's something that really touches me, despite my own teendom not being that um, spectacular. I mean, I wouldn't say it's bad. It just wasn't anything, you know, of note or of import. And yet, what I experienced through these coming-of-age films feels to me so much more magnified and... Um, and just uh, emotive and fully felt, you know? I, I mean, I definitely lived vicariously through uh, coming-of-age films where I'm like, oh, I'm experiencing the emotions that they're experiencing without going through the, the emotions myself, which yeah. is the definition of catharsis. There certainly is a fairy tale element to the coming-of-age film because it's a lot of filmmakers going back and being like, I was a nerd in high school, but you know, I'm going to make it about these this beautiful, perfect high school experience, kind of, in a way. You know, a movie book ending. A movie, a movie book ending. <laughs> a, movie a movie ending. Book. <laughs> we invented a new ending. <laughs> this is the movie book ending. <laughs> but yes, 2019, um... the year of the movie book. <laughs> Um, it's like the picture book but the the their gifts <laughs> exactly but yeah there's um there's so many things that can be put in the the coming of age genre like you said there's the it happens in one night uh film like like um book smart like super bad um american graffiti american graffiti one I feel of like that's favorites. the grandfather of all uh that's the grandfather of all modern com- coming of age For films sure and then there is the one that takes place over um, a summer. Call me by your name. Kings of Kings, Kings of Summer. Of summer. Um, Adventureland. <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's a good, good one, pull. right? Yeah, right. Good. I watched that on the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college. So like, is that that hit me? Ooh, right there, the sweet spot of mm. like transitioning into being a, a like a full fledged collegiate adult mm-hmm. um i want to bring out the way way back which is the movie that um what came out in 2013 about a kid who goes through his own coming of age story on like this like cape cod beach um where he like uh m- becomes friends with sam rockwell who owns a water park oh. and becomes a becomes a better person because of that and steve carell is like the uh, the um the terrible almost abusive stepdad I've seen trailers for this yeah yeah, no, it's a really good film. I've seen it a couple times, and it's like it's a standard like summer coming of age film about a white boy, mm. but like I sort of eat that cat that shit up like catnip. Mm. Um, um, but like it's really good. It's really funny. It's also really dramatic and really good. Um, yeah, and then uh, there's um. Other... Oh, go for it. Go for it. Please go ahead. I was gonna say the spectacular now, which I think we've oh, mentioned before. That's a great one. You know, that one takes place over the course of a school year, I think, but I feel like I associate it with summer. You know, I thought it was. I thought it was the beginning of summer. Was I wrong? No, or, no. Yeah, there it, was a dance at the end. You know what? I think it's like spring semester because yeah. they graduate at the end. Yeah. Because like, because uh, Miles Teller and Brie Larson are in robes. Mm-hmm. 
they're in like graduation rooms at some point in the end of the, at the end of the movie. So I yeah. think it, but I think it's supposed to be like because it starts off they're in like shorts and they're at like a lake or something. So yeah. I think it's supposed to be like spring to spring to graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's uh, I guess eighth grade would be considered that because like goes through a couple um, uh, goes through like the summer. Yeah. Um, then yeah. we have the opposite. We have we have movies that take place like throughout like a school year. Yeah. So you've got Sing Street um and ladybird ladybird and me and amazing Earl, yeah me and Earl and the dying girl um and i i think and uh to all the boys i loved before i feel like it goes through some sort of like it's through the school at least year. some through the school year yeah. so and like, then you have the whole john hughes pantheon too which is kind of the definitive oh, yeah, which is sort of beginning of the coming of age uh high school movie as uh, as we see in modern day. Although it's interesting because I feel like there is a sort of divide between just like the high school comedy versus the coming of age movie. I feel like the coming of age movie can be slightly more sentimental. But I think that John Hughes definitely had sort of married those genres and he made it much as much about like coming of age because you have movies like The Breakfast Club, for example, where you have them change throughout the course of just like one day, essentially. And uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is great, um, but yeah, it's like it's movies like that where like they're slightly there's some that are slightly more teen comedy like uh, Sixteen Candles, um, and then which I not a movie I I like still, um, but then like there are some that I feel like he is sort of bring, bringing in coming of age elements to a degree that we haven't seen really be- hadn't seen really before. Um, I one thing I really liked this is a quote that I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember who said it. But uh, one thing I like that uh, about John Hughes movies is that uh, people really connected to them because um, he treated teenagers like people. And this is something that was not really seen before, even though in the 80s, you had a lot of raunchy teen comedies that were just kind of just about teens having sex I and mean, you wouldn't really categorize them as as a coming of age, you'd have like, you know, fast times at Ridgemont High, and then you'd have I don't know, Animal House or something. Not Animal House. There's like other ones. There's a lot of bad. I mean, Animal House. Movies. Animal House is like college, so mm-hmm. it's like sort of that, but yeah. it's definitely not. But yeah, there are a lot um, of raunchy comedies in the '80s that I have not seen. Yeah. I don't really care to dive into. But John Hughes kind of nailed that sentimentality that comes with coming of age, and yet brought that high school comedy element to it. Um, and uh, I will bring respect to him for that, despite some of my problems with some of his films. Um, but yeah, actually, I do want to talk a little bit about like other coming of age films that actually don't have anything to do with high school, even though we associate them very closely now. Um, there's a film that I really liked that I saw a while ago called The Man in the Moon. It stars Reese Witherspoon, a young, young Reese Witherspoon before she became famous. It was even before like election, for example. Ooh. So she was like 12 in this. And it's about a girl. It's set in the summer. Surprise. Um, it's about this girl, I think in like, late the 1950s or something um who a next a boy moves next door and he's very dreamy but he's you know a couple years older and uh they become fast friends in which like she will like go swimming at this watering hole nearby and he would join her and they just kind of became you know best friends in that really easy banter away and she kind of starts to grow a crush on him but then he falls in love with her, her older sister and uh it's a Ooh. It's a, drama yeah drama but it's a sweet coming of age film um coupled with some tragedy at the end and uh takes place in the summer and stuff and yeah it's um this is a genre that isn't just um 
limited to the high school comedy and neither is the high school are all high school comedies the coming of age movie but um like we kind of talked about before there's so many movies yeah. and like they, they become so synonymous now um i was talking about this before the podcast forgive me for rambling on but uh coming of age is not the long the historic term for this kind of genre in the literary genre there's something called the bildungsroman which is a german term for coming of age it's a formative type of of narrative you see books like catcher in the ride to kill a mockingbird um even in modern books like uh the secret life of a wallflower categorized as the bildungsroman it's kind of just a really pretentious way of saying coming of age but um it's interesting because a lot of bildungsromans take place over a longer period of time too even jane Eyre is categorized as a bildungsroman which i found really interesting because it does take place over the course of like her whole life and you follow her from childhood to adulthood and um i find that really interesting it's like a genre that's always kind of stuck with people and now in this modern iteration it feels very specific you know and yet yeah, it's something it, that's like you know always been around i like that that humans have always tried to tell stories about people growing up and kids growing up and becoming adults and like mm-hmm. The idea of like losing innocence but retaining who you are and that sort of deal yeah. um, is always like like one could argue that Christopher Robin is a coming of age film. I mean, Winnie the Pooh is kind of a coming of age story, in a way. Yeah, and just like the idea of a man coming to terms with his childhood, while realizing that he sort of has, not I wouldn't say the an arrested development, but like the opposite of an arrested development where mm-hmm. he grew up too fast because mm. and he's trying and to so he, touch, get back in touch with his childhood. Yeah, and sort of like uh, uh, he's forced to do that by his uh, magical uh, stuffed animal creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also that categorize. Bring him back down to... Yeah, you could also categorize Peter Pan as a coming of age because oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's about these kids who want to um, retain that childhood innocence and yet realize that they have to grow up. I mean, that's like the whole message of the story, and that's really fascinating to me. Like, I love that coming of age can be. Um, paste it on to almost every genre in Stephen King's it you have coming of age as a horror film in um anime films like the girl who left their time coming of age is a sci-fi film but the coming of age elements are always at the forefront too um and Japan is a huge fan of that coming of age genre I think I was I talking about this before on the podcast or did I talk about after I mean we were talking about it right before we started um recording but I feel like um you haven't talked about it yet yeah well, a lot of the films I watched um, in when I was really into Japanese films and Japanese anime and everything were like coming of age slash slice of life. And some of them were very interchangeable. And uh, The Girl Who Left the Time is like the prime example of that. It's so coming of age and it's so about that transformative experience that can maybe be brought on by the ability to time travel. And which is not, you know, on the nose at all for a metaphor. <laughs> Right, and like sometimes, you know, when you're in a coming-of-age film, you sort of get spirited away, too. Yeah, it's also, which is also a coming-of-age. Um, I will say, uh, Japan, you know, is a huge fan of coming-of-age, uh, so much so that they're like the number one fans of Anne of Green Gables, the the book by, uh, oh, who wrote it? Um, well, That's interesting. I know, isn't it I funny? would not have expected Japan to be like in love with Anne of Green Gables, yeah. because... It's sort of the whitest book. It is. It's, But it's like, in a sense, it 
reflects a lot of those really wholesome and back to nature values that Japan holds dear. So Anne of Green Gables is the 1908 Canadian novel by Lucy Maud Montgomery takes place in like this very idyllic small island in Canada. And um, it's about this girl who, you know, grows up from being a feisty orphan to being this calm, uh, sort of dreamy adult. And um, it's fast. I was a huge fan of this growing up, this book. And um, I watched this the animated series and you know there's an anime series in japan that's like there's one an of, anime and of green gables yeah it's one of the most popular animes of all time the anime green, is the it called, green gables is it called anime no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no ht's dead <laughs> you're not i'm just inviting you from hosting this podcast ever again willoughby by the way <laughs> anyways they love Anne of Green Gables there. Um, and I think that's really fascinating that, like, Japan, which is a, a society that really values nostalgia, like, they have a word for it that's much more accurate to nostalgia than, like, our word of nostalgia, which, in, te- in a sense, I think nostalgia is a borrowed word, isn't it? Isn't it borrowed from, like, German or something? Yeah, it's definitely not an English word. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Greek word. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah, they have – it's a very common term in Japan, like, not scushy or something and like they really love it they have so much of it um and i find that really fascinating um but yeah i do like that you know coming of age is a very amorphous very flexible sort of genre and it's something that can uh change as we see with book smart and uh even though it is chiefly about that nostalgia i think that it really does feel like it's um it's different every time like eighth grade for example, it's so cutting and incisive, It's but it's so good. And uh, it is hopeful at the end, which I like. I think that's what I like so at, I, about coming-of-age movies, that there's a, some um, modicum of hope at the end. Yeah. I looked up nostalgia, the meaning. Uh, it comes from two words in Greek called uh, nostos and algos, mm. which means return home to pain. Wow. Or the pain of returning home, where, like, like you know interesting there's There's still nostalgic sense yeah there's a more bittersweet element to it than um i mean like nostalgia in a sense is kind of bittersweet but i feel like nostalgia for Mm -hmm. us now because of just how it's become like a candy for us to walk back and like relive all these things from our childhood without any sense of criticism it's less bittersweet now but i do think that like there's some sort of bittersweetness with a lot of coming of age films so the, it's interesting. It goes through. It goes through. I guess modern Latin mixed in with German for mm. the German word Heimweh, mm. or I don't. Or he, yeah, probably Heimweh, called which is which means homesickness. And in the late 18th century, nostalgia meant acute home, homesickness. Interesting. So it's like a diagnosable so sort, of, sort of thing. Yeah. So you have you sort of have like this like homesickness of your youth Mm. where you're like oh i can never be that young again i can never have the experiences i had but at the same time like watching a story in which like those characters go through the motions of something that you may or may not have experienced will give you that cathartic release Mm. so i don't know i I you know me i'm a sucker for nostalgia which is why coming of age films like i eat i eat that shit up like popcorn me too i'm i eat that shit up i love that that sweet, sentimental, and slightly bittersweet taste. It's a, uh, it's delicious. Yeah, and which is why 
which is why I think Booksmart and Eighth Grade and Lady Bird and like and Edge of Seventeen and like all these. Oh, yeah, Edge of Seventeen, uh, so good. We haven't even talked about Edge of Seventeen very much, but it's that's a that's a great one. Like if you're looking for the classic modern coming of age film, go watch Edge of Seventeen. Yeah, that's a great darker one too, which I really like because it it does yeah. kind of deal with mental illness in a way and depression. I really enjoy that. I like the sad yeah. ones. <laughs> the sad ones are good. The sad ones that also have like biting comedy to it, which mm-hmm. I think Edge of Seventeen is the perfect blend of that. Um, there's one that I feel like I saw this on the on the, on the list of coming of age films, but I, I don't know if I I guess I would classify it, but not so much. It's like not really because it's not really about anything. It's everybody wants some. Oh yeah, you're right. It does kind of feel like it's very still. It doesn't. Not much mm-hmm. happens. Not much happens to the Nothing characters. But I really so, like everybody yeah. wants some. I I agree with oh, you. Yeah. I would categorize it as as coming of age. I guess it's kind of like that struggle right before change happens, and I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, it's all that's all good. It's all great stuff. It's, um, it's the drum roll. Ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to be so bold to say that Star Wars is a coming-of-age film. You know, you're not wrong. I did it. I brought Star Wars into so, a, a genre mostly when, defined by John Hughes films. I mean, Star Wars is a Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Mm-hmm. So the by hero's def- journey. By definition, is a hero's journey a coming-of-age? And does that mean every Joseph Campbell's hero story is a coming-of-age movie? Oh yeah, I I think so because like a character goes through, if we're if we're going by our definitions that we talked about at the beginning of the film, a character goes through a change in their life over a period of time, usually a conde- condensed period of time that changes their life, um, to the extent them. that they are now, they it changes them and they are either a different person, a better person, somewhat, but they but they 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 are they are able to define themselves. Uh, more fully at the end of the film than they are at the beginning because Luke is a farm boy on a desert planet and by the end of the movie he's a fledgling Jedi rebellion hero there we go yeah there we go which is funny because I mean for those of you who may not know American Graffiti was George Lucas's film right before he made Star Wars so he's all about that like coming of age life because he had sort of his own coming of age story i'm going into a little bit of a tangent here george lucas was in a car crash in his uh late teens he was super into cars as a teenager he was gonna go into like cars as like a biz as like his life that was like he was gonna be like a either like a racer or like working on cars and then he got into an accident he was like no thank you cars are a no-no now but He's able to. Um, he was able to write his story into American Graffiti, and or not his exact story, but basically like the emotions he felt in that in his life into American Graffiti about a man at the edge of seventeen, um, at the age of eighteen, who ha- goes through a, a you know has to make a decision on where he wants to go in his life, and also there's a a, a race involved, and it's all about cruising through Modesto, California, in the in the mid '60s, which is what he did. So like it's really, and then he brought that same sort of like, um, you know, coming of age story to, you know, like, to Star Wars, like I just explained, where it, like start off as like this one guy, 
as this like you know sad sad farm boy who has to make a decision in his life um so and would I, you say that star wars is your favorite coming of age movie uh no because i because i mean maybe because like if we if we've now we've we've gone through the, the we've gone through our own coming of age story tonight <laughs> we folks. have and we're here to we're here to, we realize something about ourselves, which is that Star Wars is a coming of age story. <laughs> it sort of is also for Ray, and it and it sort of is also for Anakin. It just doesn't work out. It's for the Anakin. opposite. Yeah, it's the sad coming of age story. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. I mean, definitely Ray's journey is definitely a coming of age film because she comes into her own at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think I think honestly, if I had to choose a coming of age film right now, I think it might be Edge of Seventeen. Mm. Oh, that's such a good as, one. like my favorite because mm. I think it I think it nails it in terms of what it's trying of of being an, a coming of age film, mm. a story about someone coming into their own mm. and growing up, but also like retaining who they are um, and finding out who they are in the yes. process. Um, for me, it would probably be um, the girl who left her time. My fave. Nice. Um, I just I love the hijinks, and then I love the sad turn towards the end, and how it really is just the the most the most uh, core definition of that nostalgia, that bittersweet taste. And um, it really it, it's a beautiful film. I highly recommend it if you ever if you ever get a chance to see it. Second honorable mention would be Call Me By Your Name because I just I love it so much. <laughs> oh, Sing Street is good too. There's just so many good ones, Willoughby. It, there's just so many. I think Booksmart might be my number two. Mm. I'm looking at a list here. Uh, Kings of Summer I really enjoy um, because it sort of takes things I really love. Um, like uh, I like the uh, breaking down of the uh, uh, privileged white boy who... who uh, um, falls in love with a with a girl who doesn't love him back, but he, he realizes it and he has to go through his own like drama journey to be like I was an idiot. Mm. Um, that's always like real good because that's sort of what the plot of that movie is, where he's like uh, he has a crush on a girl and the girl doesn't have the crush back. In fact, like sort of like uh, the the Reese Witherspoon movie, like the um, his like best friend and and the girl he has a crush on get together. Mm. And so he like, he gets all pissy about it and like destroys their summer camp that they basically built together. Um, or like, you know, scares them off. And he like, and then at the end he realizes he was being an asshole and his dad's played by Nick Offerman. Mm. It's a really good. Movie. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, these movies have ro- romance and relationships, but also friendships. Yeah. And, you know, friendships are also like a very powerful part in all these movies, like Booksmart and Superbad and American Graffiti and, like, all these ones, like, you're sort of, you have your main protagonist and then you also have the, um, like, the best friend yeah. or, like, the sibling or something. Or the group of friends. And, or the group of friends um, or the or the misfits who uh, have just happen to have a random Saturday detention. Yeah. All right. I think that's a perfect way to end our... Uh, coming of age discussion. We have come of age to that discussion. We've I feel come like of I, age. I feel like I've changed throughout this uh, episode, Willoughby. Yeah, I was not the same person I was 45 minutes ago. No. 
All right. Let's move on <laughs> to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Okay, Willoughby, start us off. Yes. What do you really like this week? I have been playing Pokemon Crystal. Yeah. We talked about Pokemon last week, um, but I'm going to keep talking about it cause I, I, because after that discussion, I was spurred to go back to my Pokemon Crystal game that I downloaded on my Nintendo 3DS, and I am on my way to beating the Elite Four, and I'm so excited. Also, they announced some uh, new Pokemon for Pokemon Sword and Shield this week, which is the new Pokemon generation of games coming out this fall that's going to be on the Nintendo Switch. It's going to be on a main console. The big Pokemon game of the year is going to be on a real console. Wow. I mean, is that the first time? The Game Boy is a real console as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be on the Switch. You're going to be able to play Pokemon on the big screen I mean, like, you could do that with Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, but it's sort of just a remake of Pokemon Red and Blue. This is its own story. It's supposed to... It looks gorgeous. It looks like a, this great... It's it's like the open-world game that you've... You know, that we've been waiting for Pokemon to become. Um, and also, the legendaries are really good dogs. Oh, they're really... They're, one of them is good. a sword dog. One of them has a sword, and one of them has a, has a shield, and they're really good. Um... Yeah, so Pokemon Crystal. I've been playing that. I really love it. Um, it's my favorite, uh, like, second-generation Pokemon game, like, early Pokemon game. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's real good. All right. Maybe I'll check it out. I mean, I don't really have a console anymore, so... If you have a game, if you have a Nintendo 3DS, you can buy the virtual console games of the Pokemon game. I don't, though. Well, Christmas is coming up. In how many months? Six months. Six months. True that. All right. Harry Chrysler. <laughs> Chrysler. You know, speaking of coming of age films, my um, really like this week is actually kind of one. Uh, this is a film that just dropped on Netflix recently. And guess what? It's an anime film. It's called A Silent Voice. It's directed by Naoko Yamada and written by Reiko Yoshida, two women which is very exciting. It's very rare you see that um, in anime films. And it's about a, um, a former bully who uh, kind of who confront, is confronted with the girl that he used to bully in elementary school who he um, would tease mercilessly for being deaf. And um, he, after he was... Um, he and his friends kind of engaged in a lot of like bad bullying of her. He ended up being caught by the teacher and um, he tried to you know, out his friends as uh, being co- co-bullies with him. And uh, they all turned on him and he ended up being ostracized uh, throughout the rest of his elementary and middle and high school career. And uh, so the film actually begins with his uh, suicide attempt, but he doesn't go through with Whoa. it. I know, it's a dark movie. So, but A Silent Voice, um, he... After he, you know, does not, he meets the girl again in high school and they actually become friends sort of out of his own way to attempt to sort of assuage his guilt. And um, it's a really beautifully made, stunning, stunning film um, that is bit of a tearjerker actually about 15 minutes in I was on the constant edge of tears throughout the entire film. <gasps> But it's um it's not 
I wouldn't say it's emotionally manipulative, even though it does make you, you know, quite emotional and cry quite quite a bit. Um, it feels very authentic and very genuine to the high school, um, you know, bullying and just like high school social life experience. And for him, it's depicted in this way that he, you know, after he was ostracized, he kind of closed himself off to his classmates and everyone around him. And you see that in these big X's that are drawn across people's faces because he can't look at people in the eye anymore. But when he starts to befriend them, those X's, you know, fall away. And it's a really fascinating animation-only way of doing it. And um, it's just a beautiful story about human connection um, that if you light your name, the film directed by Makoto Shinkai that came out in, in theaters two years ago, you will really like uh, A Silent Voice. So this is a film that doesn't quite have the cerebral metaphysical elements of your name, but it has that human connection part and that human spirit and doubles down on that. It's just, it's a very beautiful, very um, deeply felt film. And uh, it's streaming on Netflix now. If you want to check it out, your um, A Silent Voice. Wow, I could not have put that in the same way. That was gorgeous. Yeah, and if you guys want to talk to us about A Silent Voice, um, about coming-of-age films, or about Pokemon Crystal, you know, where can they do that, Willoughby? Good question. I have an answer for you. Mm. You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there at Millennia at the if you search for the Millennium Falcon on Facebook, ooh, getting a little uh a Monday night, woo. Uh, you could uh find us on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is Millennial Falcon WordPress. <laughs> Millennial Falcon Podcast at WordPress dot com. Uh, and you can rate, review, subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I got those out. Those are important. Now, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find Anya in Alaska. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye.